0: everyone and welcome back to the travel and tourism podcast my first season I never had the pleasure of working with my guest today but according to Facebook we do have 85 mutual friends He worked for Club Med from 1995 to 2002 and then returned in 2010 and worked until 2013 He held such positions as land sports water ski and sales He graduated from Auburn University and reportedly has never had a cup of coffee or been drunk in his life, including the time he spent in Club med. Well, I'm going to grill him about that. You can be assured. He also worked for the Peninsula Hotel in New York City, the Ritz Carlton in Las Vegas, and the Four Seasons Resorts in the Maldives. Fun fact about my guests, and I'm wondering if he's buttering up your host, who's from Montreal, by making him jealous, by claiming that he took care of Celine Dion and her family while on vacation. Okay, inquiring minds wanna know, I have to know what all this is about. He has called eight countries and 20 cities home over the last 26 years. So please help me give a warm welcome from Atlanta, Georgia. Scott Duncan, AKA Scotty D. Hey Scott, how are you, sir? I'm well, thank you, Greg. Great intro, humbled. Certainly to be on a long
1: list of amazing rock stars that you've had the privilege of speaking with in the past. So uh,
0: thank you so much. I appreciate you reaching out to me. No, it's kind of you to say yes and to come on to share your story. So uh, thank you for that. Thank you. Now, I mentioned uh, Auburn. Okay. So some very famous alumni graduated from Auburn. So Tim Cook, Bo Jackson, Charles Barkley, Jimmy Buffett. Now, would you agree that the, I think the best quarterback from Auburn, was it Cam Newton? Because I know he, he led Auburn to a perfect 14 and 0 record. So do you consider Cam Newton the best Auburn quarterback or do you like someone else?
1: Well, you know, it's interesting. Some might say Pat Sullivan, who also won the Heisman Trophy for Auburn uh, back in the early 70s. You know, but for my time, for sure, Cam was was the guy. He kind of put us back on the map. As you, most college football fans know, Alabama has really reigned supreme, not only in just college football, but certainly in the state of Alabama. So just to uh, have at least one national championship uh, over the last several years is uh, you know, for us, something to brag about. And Cam helped us get that. So yes, I may, uh, to answer your question, yes, Cam is probably our guy.
0: Now, what were you studying back at Auburn, if
1: I may ask? Yeah, no problem. So, you know, I originally went to Auburn to study architecture. Uh, that's where I kind of thought my dreams, you know, would would be accomplished through through that industry. And really, my my vision was to build hotels and resorts. And um, a professor or a, a individual came to one of our classes and kind of explained to us that it's it's a long road, kind of got off track and ended up just graduating. I shouldn't say just, but graduated with a business degree and was happy to do just that, but certainly kind of look back and wonder what if, had I continued on that path of architecture.
0: Okay. Now... Your first season was in Turks and Caicos of uh, March, 95. So we both had our first seasons in Turks and Caicos. And I think I was there a year before you in 94. But to take it back a little bit, when did you like first hear about Club Med? Did you ever go there on vacation or someone you knew did, or you saw an ad in a newspaper somewhere? Yeah,
1: you know, it's a great question, Greg. And you know, you know, based on your tenure with Club Med, you know, back in those days is before the internet. And I know it sounds crazy, especially to any of our younger listeners, but yeah, there was really nothing to go by. I had a friend that had gone to a Club Med on vacation, and just thought it was awesome. You know, he was just explaining all the sports and the entertainment, which were two passions of mine, and said you should work there. And I didn't really know much about it. Candidly, it's not a destination or a company that's very familiar in the South in the U.S. At least at that time, I was interested and I pursued it and uh, had a great interview with Jennifer Seidel down in Club Med Sandpiper and actually drove down there for my interview. And next thing I know, I received a phone call and some paperwork in a FedEx envelope that said I was going to Turks and Caicos. And Greg, candidly, I didn't know where the Turks and Caicos were on the map. So I had to look it up. And uh, even my father, as he dropped me off at the airport said, now, where are you going again? And I had to tell, I'm like, I'm not really sure, but I think it's it's gonna be nice. Yeah, and Turks and Caicos it was, and uh certainly a great memory to be able to uh put that on my list as first villages.
0: Okay, a couple of questions. You drove from Georgia to Florida on your own dime for the interview?
1: That's right, I sure and, did.
0: And did you know what you were applying for or you just told them what you can do and then they figured out, figured it out that you would be, were you land sports your first season? <laughs>
1: yeah, <and> honestly,
0: okay. <laughs> it, it ish, exactly. It, it was a little bit of a combo of both, Greg.
1: You know, I, I certainly was showing up with my resume and they were kind of explaining a little bit more about what they look for in a GO. And of course, for those people that are not familiar with Club Med at all, much like myself at that time. I didn't really know what GEO meant. And they were talking about GMs, and I still thought that was general manager. Um, and it took me a while to kind of understand really what I was getting involved with. But there was something about the interview. There was something about the way that the, the GEO life was explained to me that really was appealing. You know, I was eager and excited to, to see what it was all about, but certainly, you know, far from having much knowledge or background or experience for that matter.
0: Knowing what I was going to get into, so it, it was certainly a, a leap of faith. Okay, and at the time, the uh, chief of village there's uh, Greg Schneider. That's so, right. Uh, I guess you meet. Uh, do you remember? Do you recall who your chief of sports was at all?
1: I I do. And, and candidly, I don't know that I actually even met Greg until later on the evening that I arrived. But um, Steve Riley was our chief of sports, and he was really the first guy that I met. He being from Texas, and you know myself coming from Georgia. Uh, he was happy to have some Southern blood in the village. Steve was kind enough to show me around and uh, kind of explain to me very quickly, you know, with my my bags in tow as to what I would need to do and, and first things first. So, uh, yeah, Steve Riley was great and uh, certainly was an awesome first chief of sports to have.
0: So what, what do you remember? Like I, I, when I, I remember a lot, so I'm just curious if you remember when you ride the Turks, were you, did you get any ed culture shock? Do you, do, you, do you remember that first week? Absolutely, yes. Um, it, it's all of that just,
1: Greg, in terms of first, and kind of the funny story was at, at Turks, I show up and Steve had mentioned to me as we're passing the pool that one of the individuals who normally teaches water aerobics wasn't feeling well. And his question to me was, have you ever taught water aerobics before? well, I don't know why one would have taught water aerobics before unless you had been in club med. He's like, you'll be fine. You'll figure it out. Just hop in the pool. All the people will follow along, whatever you do. And I'm like, well, what do I do? Ah, You'll be fine. Are you Uh, serious? Oh, yeah. And Steve Riley and that (laughs) nice smile, that Southern following, he's like, you got this. You'll be fine. So so next thing I know, I was in the pool teaching water aerobics with very little understanding of what it was going to entail. Yeah I mean just such a, a beautiful location uh the people were so friendly but to your point Greg it, it's definitely a culture shock you know it, it's you know people with just smiles on their faces and from all over the world speaking different languages you know it was it was just something that I was completely foreign to me so it was you know it was it's kind of sink or swim uh no pun intended when it came down to the water aerobics but that's really kind of how you were immersed in the club med is you just or thrown in and you had to figure it out.
0: Uh, okay, Scott, just one thing. I can't get this thing out of my head that you were literally thrown in the deep end having never seen water aerobics. Now, I, I learned from the the two of the best, uh, Big Ed and JJ, when I was in Turks. And oh, yeah. I, so I watched him do it. I understood what it was. I didn't like it, but I knew, I can't imagine someone who'd never seen it n- Like, how would you know what to, like, you probably didn't even know you could have just turned it into a big sweaty massage circle, circle, like a lot of water aerobics uh, geos do. They just said, oh, we're going to massage each other now, but you probably didn't even know that. (laughs) So what, what were you doing? Were you doing jumping jacks in the pool squats? What what were you doing? (laughs) And Steve was so funny. He was like, you know, you, you have a
1: couple of people in the pool who've been doing it all week. They'll help you. So, and it's, that was really kind of what I did. I jumped in the pool and I kind of asked this person, I said, I've never taught this before. And really, the GMs were quick to kind of, we'll help you out. We'll have some fun. Okay, And, you. you know, it was really that that spirit and that experience that let me know, like, you know, everything's going to be okay. And I think, you know, Steve understood that. Like, he, he wouldn't have put me in a position to fail. So he kind of, you know, ushered me and pushed me into that, that position. And I, I think, like I said, it, it, the great part of it is that uh, I learned so much, you know, in that one moment, that instant of... Let's figure this out. Let's have some
0: fun doing it. Yes, but if there's one thing you could fail in the resort, it's water aerobics. There's no there's not there's no high stakes there because you know what Big Ed and JJ would do with which they thought was funny, they'd make me chug a beer, you know. <laughs> oh yes. yes. before yes, yes. do you guys want to see Greg chug a beer? Yeah. No, that's right. And so that's right. so yeah, it's not like the five o'clock step, you know. So <laughs> Can't, you can't screw that one up, but uh, wow. What Thank else uh, What else do you remember about that that season? Because Turk says it must be special for you, right? Because it was your first season, I'm guessing. Uh,
1: absolutely. You know, and it was really just, I, I would say this for being the first village too, you don't know what you don't know. And uh, I met a, a, a great gentleman who I'm still wonderful friends with even today, Aranio. You know, I just remember him hosting a volleyball game and, Every time he would say it was sponsored by Corona, and somebody would deliver him a nice, you know, frosty beverage. So, um, you know, just it was all about the people, and really just starting to learn very quickly how impressionable and what influence you had on those around you, both internally and externally. Um, and of course, you're doing that at a beautiful location such as Turks and Caicos, and you know, sadly, my my tenure there was was cut short. Due to the scenario that I was in, in terms of I was being hired kind of on a per need basis, i.e. they didn't necessarily need another land sports person there, but I was kind of bridging the transition between winter season and summer season. And then they told me that they would come up with a position for me. And the thought would be that it would be there at Turks and Caicos, but in turn, it actually, you know, ended up being another resort. So I'll, I can explain how that went down yeah. as well.
0: Well, yeah, uh, before we, well, before we moved to Sandpiper, that was your next season. I was just curious. Yeah. If, if at any point you have a funny or interesting story, but please, please by all means just, just shout it out, you know, but yeah, you could, you could tell us how you transitioned from Turks to Sandpiper if you want.
1: Sure, sure, sure. Well, and the reason that it kind of sticks out to me is I was back in that same water aerobics pool at teaching water aerobics and uh, Greg Snyder popped over and asked me if I had ever, you know, rollerbladed before I said, yeah, I've, been on rollerblades before he's like perfect you're the rollerblade instructor in sandpiper i'll tell you when you're leaving (laughs) and it was just like that and i just kind of remember greg standing at the side of the pool going perfect and i didn't really know what that meant you know i don't know that you know in club med once you've been working for club med for years you know that you'll be going from a one village to another but i didn't really understand how that would work and especially with me just having arrived you know not more than maybe six or seven weeks prior, uh, I was just finally kind of getting comfortable and understanding what club med was all about. And the next thing I know, I was packing my bags to leave to Florida. Uh,
0: Where Howard McCarley also a guest on the show uh, was the chief of village. Correct.
1: He he was, he was. And I I had great experiences with Howard. Uh, he, He definitely had his way of managing and leading the team. But I really always thought he was super fair, super honest. And he also really just wanted us to be excellent. He expected us to be exceptional at our jobs. And I, I think that was a, a great credit to his his vision and what he had hoped and planned for all of us.
0: Now, was there a big uh, culture shock going from a big singles village like Turks in 95 to a big family village a Sandpiper in <laughs> 95? You know,
1: it's a great point, Greg. But I'll be honest, because I was still, you know, kind of wet behind the ears, I don't know that it really hit me as much. And the fact that I was only in Turks and Caicos for about, you know, nearly two months, I don't know that it really made such an impact on me that that family village lifestyle was all that different. You know, it was still that collaboration. It was still working with your brothers and your sisters on stage, off stage. So I just felt that that immediate club med Geo life. And I I can't say that it initially impacted me too much going from that single village to a family village. Now, of course, years later, I felt that impact. But at that point in time, it wasn't necessarily the case.
0: Was the uh, half pipe there at Sandpiper when you were there or that came Uh, later? Yeah,
1: no, that was that was later on. Several years later, they brought that in. But at that point in time, we really, it was, you know, the, the okay. roller, yeah, go ahead.
0: Well, yeah, no, I was going to ask you, so what does a, what, what, does what a, does a typical day for a rollerblade geo do? Like, did you go outside the village or you only took them around the village on these tours?
1: We did. Great question. It really was morning training sessions or lessons. So you would open up at around nine o'clock, you would conduct lessons until about eleven. And then we had what we called the advanced tour. And the advanced tour was about an eight to nine mile tour outside the village. You would go out the back gate around the neighborhood and then arrive back to the front gate. And then you would come back lessons again from two until four. And then at four o'clock was the beginner or novice tour. And that novice tour was really front gate to back gate, which is about, they say, about three miles. So that was every day. And of course, Greg, as you know, those days, seven days a week. So uh, needless to say, I was in some of the best shape of my life. My legs were probably the strongest they had ever been uh, as we we and bladed seven days a week. And like I said, you, you pile on about 11 miles every day, along with lesson time and doing water ski shows and everything in between. Definitely a workout.
0: You must have had some nice calves, huh? Uh,
1: yeah, I don't. Like I said, I was definitely in the best shape of my life <laughs> those years.
0: So what what can you tell me about Sandpiper and Howard? Any any funny or interesting stories come out of that season? No,
1: for that, that was really the time that I felt the geo bond. You know, that was my first full season. We really had a great team. As you know, Greg, too, a lot of times they're kind of throwing newer geos into the Sandpiper kind of geo hotbed. But we were all just eager and excited, super, super creative. The group of people that I worked with that season, you know, we found ways to create excitement.
0: Greg, did you ever work at Sandpiper? Forgive me. Uh, No, no, I only uh, visited there, but I, a lot of people I know work there. Uh, Tell me, Scott, who was your uh, chief of sports in Sandpiper? So it was Momo uh,
1: from Morocco. Great, great guy. He was actually promoted that season to be chef de village. So it was an exciting time and uh, definitely a character. I don't know if you ever worked with Momo, but uh, definitely a great spirit. He was fantastic with the kids, fantastic with the guests, uh, learned a lot through Momo.
0: All right. And Sam Piper, you were there from May to October, 95, correct? That's right. Now, at the end of that season, do they ask you or? want to go? Or does, someone, does Howard say, hey, do you know how to do archery, Scott? And then they, <laughs> they send you to an archery village? <laughs> what,
1: what uh, yeah. It's kind of funny how it goes down sometimes, right? That particular season, it, it did come down to asking me You know, if I had a, a short list of villages that I would be interested in working at. And a gentleman that I worked with at the time there, his name was John Kiss. We became really good friends and we were both interested in going to Cancun. So we put that down on our list, and I was very fortunate enough to be selected and and work with the team in Cancun. At the end of '95, uh, going into '96.
0: what did you do in Cancun?
1: I was land sports. So I converted myself from obviously it started in land sports, had that season of rollerblading, and now is going to go work with who you mentioned earlier, Mr. JJ Shorthill, down there in Cancun. JJ was there. He was. Oh, okay. We we were Batman and Robin as part of the Land Sports team.
0: Okay. Oops. I didn't know you worked with uh, JJ. Yeah. Oh, that's cool. Okay. And Stefan Rowena was your chief of village, right? You got it. Uh, who was the chief of sports there? Chief of sports
1: uh, was a gentleman by the name of Laurent. So Laurent. we had, uh, as you know, Cancun attracts you know some great talent, a lot of well-seasoned GOs. We just had a, a great, great team. It was actually a good blend of some Of the newer guys such as myself and John and then of course you had the JJ's who've been doing it for a while so uh, Laurent had a a little probably easier job than than most just because Scott Smith was ski we had just you know everybody who was the chief of their departments was was well tenured and and certainly very skilled in their abilities to uh, support the department so really good active sports team.
0: Did you have a favorite nightclub in Cancun? Mine was Coco Bongo. Did you were you going to Daddy's? Yeah, Daddy's was
1: so the place. And, and truthfully, Greg, it was interesting. There was a, a period of time when they wanted us to stay in the village. And the reason for that was really to ensure that, that we were keeping people in the village, right? As the GOs would leave the village, so would the GMs. So the goal was to try to keep people in the village, just to make sure that we had that ambiance. Well, there were people that would actually sneak out. They would actually s- s- swim out in the ocean and go around and, and get up at uh, the nearby hotel. Oh, I really? It was the Westin at that time, and oh, they would hop in the really? taxis over <laughs> to the Westin to go to Daddy's.
0: Okay, I'm, I'm curious what they were wearing because you know, did they have did they have changing clothes in a garbage bag? Or something. That's
1: exactly what they did.
0: Uh, change the clothes. <laughs> they would hold it over their head.
1: They would go out, swim across, and then they would change at the Westin, hop in a taxi, and head off to Daddy's.
0: Now, what, when I was there, and I'm sure almost every season at Cancun, were a bunch of GOs going out to enter the the hot body contest, trying to win some money, or, or what? did. And uh, did you ever – were, were your, some of the geos doing that? No no need to mention names, but I'm just saying, I, was, I that, was that. that going on? Was that going on? Like, uh, You know, in that particular season,
1: it did not. Of course, I experienced some of that later on, you know, years after when I had gone back and worked at Cancun. That season, once again, it was seven days a week. We really – were focused on, you know, the GMs in the the resort. And there was just a lot of emphasis for us to ensure that all of them were having an amazing time. And as you know, there's always tons of smiles, tons of laughs in Cancun as you're just working with some awesome, awesome people.
0: Okay. I know Cancun's a singles village. So you have any appropriate stories from that season?
1: (laughs) Uh, Well, one, one appropriate story, which, which might be interesting. I don't know, Greg. If you ever had the, the pleasure of working with the Atlantis Group,
0: no, I, I never did. I always, uh, I always wish I could. So yeah, please yeah. tell me your story.
1: Yeah, sure. So, so it's um, it was a an experience for myself and several others. For those people that don't know, Atlantis is it's it's a group of gentlemen coming down to have a good time, and the, the whole resort is is taken over by this Atlantis Group. And uh, it's predominantly, obviously, gay men, and uh, just bringing great energy, great spirit. But I had the the opportunity to be in a lot of the shows, and this one particular show and this one particular number had a lot of us all dressed up, kind of in ripped up shirts and, and ripped up uh, jeans, so on and so forth. And the number starts off as I believe it was a Janet Jackson number. Starts off with several of the girls on stage doing some some dance moves and there's about six of us gentlemen that are kind of out in the wings and then the the song changes and we come out. Well, I've never heard a louder ovation at a club med show than I did that particular night. And if you know anything about Atlantis or anybody has experienced it, they bring so much energy to all of the entertainment. Uh, The theater is completely packed with everybody wanting to be a part of the entertainment. And uh, it was just, it was a moment that I'll never forget. I remember looking at my, my work buddies, and even kind of looking at my girlfriend at the time across the way, and just laughing as uh, like it was like I said, it was just a roar of uh, applause and uh, catcalls and whistles and everything else. It was uh, definitely definitely a, a, an exciting week, uh, entertaining for sure. Had to teach water aerobics as well that particular week. Awesome, awesome spirit. And like I said, club med has so many great weeks. Uh, we did the volleyball week down there, which is also a fun group. Um, we we are part of a lot of different just special group weeks, which I think sometimes gets lost in the shuffle of all the day-to-day fun that we have. But those groups really do leave an impact on SGOs. And then looks
0: like, you wanted to rest and they send you to Luthra unless you unless they they needed you unless they needed you in Luthra but uh oh, and with the t- chief of village Tutun so what what happened there Scott so
1: so you're right they needed my support uh Cancun actually goes from two land sports geos in the winter at least at that that time to just one land sports i believe JJ stayed on that summer and i decided to move on. They gave me a short list of opportunities to to head up the land sports program and Eleuthera was one of them. So uh, I headed off to Eleuthera. Beautiful, beautiful resort. Uh, certainly breaks my heart to know that that village is no longer around, but I had the privilege of, as we do, Greg, meeting a whole new cast of characters and new GOs and uh, working with Tatoon. And uh, it was it was quite interesting and yeah, beautiful, beautiful resort for sure.
0: What did they have you do at Eleuthera?
1: I was uh, in charge of all the land sports. So, you know, this was kind of good. I had the 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 ability to learn a lot from JJ, for sure, and just take that energy that he always brought to the table and that we created in Cancun and brought it over to Eleuthera, even though it's a family village. Uh, we still had a lot of uh, a lot of fun. And, of course, the Bahamas and, and those that worked in the Bahamas were one of the kind.
0: I'm so glad you, you know, you worked with JJ because, you know, him and Big Ed made a big impression on me and, you know, his name, JJ's name doesn't come up often enough, you know, so I'm glad <laughs> that you you work with him because he, uh, you know, he, he taught me a lot about volleyball. I was a basketball player when I got to Club Ed and, and he, uh, you know, I wish he could have saw what I became in volleyball. So JJ, if you're listening to this, yes, I really got good in volleyball. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> which, which would shake his head a lot at me when he was roughing the games. <laughs> Why are you dinking? Don't ding it. Slap yeah. it down their throat. Okay. Yes. Sounds <laughs> no, like I'm, JJ. I'm glad that you 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 got a chance to work with. them. <laughs> okay. All right. Now, to, to so who's your chief of sport in Eleuthera?
1: Do you recall? I do. It was actually um a gentleman who who teach. Uh Mayor was actually my chief oh, of that's sport. That's
0: right. Yeah, who was uh yeah, he he was a chief of mini club, but then he wanted to be chief of village, so they put him at chief of sports for a while I That's believe.
1: right. That's right. And, and Teach, if you know, and if Teach is listening, he would tell you the same thing. Uh sports wasn't necessarily his his specialty. <laughs> so he he was great. And he taught me so much as well. You know, he, he kind of taught me more about just not necessarily on the sports side, as you mentioned, like JJ taught us a lot about playing volleyball, but but Teach was great with entertainment. You know, he really believed in in creating an experience for the, for the GMs and really focusing his attention on just his leadership abilities. And uh, I had a great great relationship with Teach for sure.
0: And here's something interesting. So the the chief of village in Turks Greg Snyder, who sends you to Sandpiper to do rollerblading. Ironically, you meet up with him after Eleuthera. Okay, so they send you to Sandpiper in May of '97, and Greg Snyder's there, right? That's right. That's right. Okay. As well as Teach. Okay. So, yeah. So it was really Teach
1: who had re- reached back out to me after I had uh, departed Eleuthera. He had reached back out to me to say he was putting together kind of his little dream team there in Sandpiper with Greg. And uh, my name came up and uh, I really appreciated the phone call. I was humbled and honored that he had reached out to me and decided to head back there. And uh, once again, it was as uh, Land Sports. And uh, in a similar fashion, had a great relationship with with Greg. Yeah, it, it was a great
0: experience going back. Well, while you were at Sandpiper, did you were you part of the uh, water ski team, or did you help out doing certain numbers in, in water ski? Yeah, so so really that
1: was kind of my my side hobby. I think as you know, Greg too, we all had kind of our our role and our responsibility, whether it was you know even at the boutique or at the bar or certainly on the sports team. But then you had You know what you like to do on your own time and for me it was the water skiing so i was um really from from early days in sandpiper my very first season in sandpiper i was in the water ski shows and you just kind of take those first days of just being the base of the pyramid or flags and eventually you know you're doing backwards up toe holds and and slaloming so uh if not even barefooting so you know that was really what i was doing on the side every chance I had I would go water ski with the ski team like I said on my time off when I wasn't doing land sports that's where I would go
0: did you learn how to barefoot there
1: I did yes and and actually and it goes way back to that season 95 with John and some of the guys we would go in the back channels where the water was super super calm and that was the best place to foot and of course if anybody has tried their their hand or in this case their feet at barefooting you know, that you're going to take a couple of bad falls. Um, you know, you're going to definitely have water coming out of your face at some point later on that evening. But uh, it was in Sandpiper that I learned how to how to foot.
0: OK, and now you go to Cancun after Sandpiper in January 99 with Kevin Bat, Montreal boy. That's right. Okay. What was that what was uh, Cancun like the second time around?
1: Yeah, that was that was certainly a, a new experience too. You know, now I I'm, I'm I'm visiting and working in in Cancun, but I have experience under my belt. Uh, going there that first season, you're just like I said, you're kind of a deer in headlights as you take it all in and try to figure it out. And I think once you go back to a village a second time, you just feel more comfortable. So, it was very similar. I had a couple of former GOs had reached out to me and said that Greg had put together this dream or sorry, Kevin had put together this dream team and uh, a gentleman had left the ski team and wanted to see if I wanted to be a part of that ski team. So without further ado, I was actually living and working in Mammoth, California at a ski resort, winter ski resort. And I basically handed in my snow skis to head back down to Cancun and pick up my water skis. So it was uh, a welcome change. I was already i know greg you're up there in montreal and you love the 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 winter conditions but i was i was happy to leave after
0: two months oh no 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 i don't that's why i stayed 10 years that's Uh, why i I stayed 10 years in club ed because i hate (laughs) the winter oh no yeah if if i was from california hawaii or 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 puerto rico i would have stayed six months in club (laughs) (laughs) because my hatred of winter.
1: Sure. All right, so so,
0: so is this is true. So you took a break. You went to you went to be a ski instructor and then you went to become a, a water ski instructor at Cancun. This is true. Yeah. So. Wow. So, yeah, it, it was,
1: really you know, as you know, in Club Med with, a, you know, we did seasons and you're oftentimes asked or told like, hey, when are you going to get a real job? So I really wasn't sure. I had a girlfriend at the time who was from England. We were trying to figure out how we we're going to be together. So I took a, a brief kind of hiatus, not knowing that it would be a hiatus, but of course it turned out to be, but really just missed the Club Med life, missed the geos, missed the the activities, always missed having something to do. And that, that was always what I found to be so exceptional about Club Med was that at any given time, you know, you were surrounded by good friends at any given time, you had something to do at any given time, you had an opportunity to make a difference, uh, to make an impact. And uh, I think I just kind of missed that adrenaline. So although I was doing something that was relatively active, it didn't didn't feel the same, and that's what drew me back very quickly and easily to to Cancun at that time. So what was that Kevin Bat season like? It, it was you know, look, it's it's a cast of characters that it's the the Freddys. It was the uh, the JRs, if you know Jr. Okay. Uh, it was it was just a Once again, you have a lot of veterans, seasoned GOs that know what they're doing. Uh, The shows were top-notch. Graham, who I had worked with, and Sam Piper was the choreographer there, Graham Maxwell. Uh, Graham is one of my dear friends. And I always enjoyed doing his shows. He took so much pride in really producing and creating shows that were not only entertaining for the audience, but even entertaining for those of us that were a part of it. So. There was just yeah a, a strong level of comfort and just it, it was really just an amazing experience amazing amazing season.
0: Now did you stay there? I mean, because I see that you you remained on when when Hammer became the chief of village. So I did. how how I long did. how long were you there total? And
1: so so interesting enough, I had an opportunity outside of Club Med. Uh, they had pursued me even before I had gone back, and uh, the thought really was all along that I would just stay there for six months. I was actually there for that transition between Kevin to Hammer. And Hammer and I just, we had so much in common. Uh, we're both big Elvis fans. We just both love uh, sports and and history and entertainment. So we just had uh, just a great time kind of getting to know each other. But I was only with him for, you know, about a month, maybe five weeks at that time. And I decided to pursue this other opportunity out in Southern California. And Hammer and I still remained in touch and he said, look, if you ever want to come back, let me know and I'll find a way to maybe have you help our team. So uh, I did go back and uh, helped him out in in Cancun uh, about a year later, a little, okay. a little less, almost six months, I guess it would have been.
0: Yeah, so you would have been there. Were you there for Y2K if you were there in January 2000?
1: Let's see. uh, Did you arrive
0: just after New Year's?
1: I would have been there just after New Year's. Funny enough, I was in San Francisco for Y2K. So, yeah, you've stirred up a good memory. So it was shortly,
0: shortly thereafter. So this might have been maybe the second season of Hammer or third? Like, I know he... He passed, was it a 98 or 99, I think, Chief of Village? Uh,
1: yeah. I want to say yeah. Sonora was his first, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, yeah
0: it was. Yeah, you're right. Okay. And
1: uh, yeah, so he would have really, because he was coming in kind of an, in the summer of, what had that been, uh, ninety nine, he would have stayed through 2000. So yeah, he was, I, I would imagine he just stayed there for that year. Maybe he did extend, but uh, always a great time with Hammer and some some. Tons of laughs with Hammer, that's for sure.
0: Yeah, because then you, does he ask you to come with him to Punta Cana after Cancun? Well,
1: I I actually tried Canada a little bit, Greg. I actually... What? What? Really? (laughs) Yes, I I, uh, had an opportunity to work with a buddy up in Toronto, and uh, things just didn't go as planned. And uh, Hammer, once again, reached back out and said, well, if if you're looking for anything to do, I could use your help in Punta. So I kind of similar to the to the Mammoth Mountain snow skiing situation. I was quick to pack up my Jeep at that point in time and uh, drive it south, and then hop onto a plane to help him out in Punta Cana for quite honestly, it was really just a couple of months before I had another opportunity to pop up in Sandpipers. So uh, working with Hammer, like I said, it's it's uh, always such a pleasure, and we just have a great time in every village that I've had an opportunity to work with on.
0: Were you doing like polyvalent in uh, Punta
1: Cana? I was, sure. I sure was. So kind of helping out in various areas, whatever he needed my assistance with, I was going to be there for him. I primarily spent a lot of time with the land sports team, obviously with, with my background. So Brian her, and, and a, a host of others that uh, I got to know and work with uh, who are now friends for life. Uh, really. Yeah. Another great experience. Punta.
0: Yeah. And yeah. I, I see, yeah, you go to Sandpiper for the, Third time, I believe, <laughs> uh, from May, May 2001 with uh, Chef de Village uh, Uria Osmani, correct? That's right.
1: That's right. So, so back to Sandpiper. Piper. You know, Sandpiper just kind of became the, the place that I always found myself, that village, and just so much comfort. In similar fashion, they were looking for water ski instructors, and they needed us to have this for the first time. They needed us to have our, our certified boat captain's license. So several of us took our you know, got, got our licenses and we were there to operate the ski team. And we did that. And obviously, uh, like I said, some of my best friends, uh, JK, who you probably know of, uh, JP and I, and, and several others, uh, we worked together and like I said, nothing but great experiences time after time.
0: Uh, just one thing, Scott. So I see this is your first time at Sandpiper, now there is a day off. So before you couldn't really leave the resort. So did you go, did You get a chance to go shopping or see a movie now? now there- yeah. Well, yeah, it's, it's a great question. And you're right. It, it felt really awkward
1: handily, you know, for so many years working seven days a week. And I always say that in my humble opinion, like it really brought us together. When you work seven days a week, like if you don't see somebody, you worry about them. Now I'm working in an environment where people have a day off, and I, I'm always like, are they sick? Nope, they just have their day off. But it definitely was, was a change. And of course, being in Florida, you now have access to everything there in Orlando, everything down in Miami. You have access, easy access to a mall, to, to movies, as you said. So it definitely felt different. It, it uh, Not bad, but it definitely felt different from those years previous.
0: And then I think I mentioned in yeah the intro because you had you had stopped and went back in 2010. Now were, were you were you doing sales in Sandpipe?
1: Yeah, yeah
0: so I had um, you know the years
1: between, and we can get to this in a moment. But as you kind of alluded to in my intro, I had an opportunity to work for uh, the Ritz Carlton. I worked also for the Four Seasons out in uh, the Maldives as well as Seychelles. And I was kind of ready to come back and trying to figure out what I wanted to do. And my dear friend Hammer had reached out and mentioned that they were looking for somebody to assist with the Sports Academy program as a part of the relaunch for San Piper Bay. So, you know, my passion for sports, certainly it was always on my mind. And what I was doing out in the Maldives was director of sports and recreation. So I had a couple phone calls with Hammer and a couple phone calls with Kevin And the next thing I know is I was heading back to Sandpiper, a place that I had called home for so many years. And it was under a little different situation because I was no longer going to be technically a GO, but I was now going to be responsible for driving Sandpiper Bay with their sales results uh, relative primarily to the sports academy. So it was a completely different beast and certainly a great challenge as we had to kind of transition from what Sandpiper was to what the vision was moving forward with Sam Piper and having a, a, an elite sports academy on its grounds.
0: Okay. You 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 had a story about Vegas you you wanted to share, correct? Uh you know, I I wanted to share this
1: just because I think that it's kind of indicative of the impact that a GEO can make and and I don't even take as much personal credit as much as I take I don't know. I take pride in knowing that we did have an opportunity to connect with people. I was actually supporting an event out in Vegas. And this was in, I want to say, 99 uh, or 98. Uh, it was kind of as as I was trying to figure out my life. We had a gentleman, or a gentleman is kind of eyeing me through this crowd. And he actually didn't say anything the first time that I that I saw him. And I thought he was really part of the group that I was helping to support. And then the next day, I, I'm sitting at the same desk and the gentleman once again kind of notices me through the crowd and he then approaches me and without, I I didn't have a name tag without saying anything. He's like, is your name Scotty D? And I said, it is. And he said, Oh, I I thought it was you. I actually saw you yesterday and I was going to say something, but um, I wasn't so sure that it was you. And I actually went to sleep last night and I told my wife that I thought I had seen you and I didn't say anything. And she's like, well, you should, should have said something. So I made a point of coming over here and, and, to see you I said oh well, that's that's really nice of you how you doing he said well you probably don't know me and this might be awkward to you but he goes I actually met you in Club Med Sandpiper Bay several years ago I said oh okay that's great he goes well you might not know this or maybe don't even remember this but you actually taught me my son and at that time my dad his grandfather all how to rollerblade and I said oh well that's great now they're I'll be honest, Greg, there's a part of me that's going, oh, great. Like somehow grandpa has died on rollerblades. I'm held responsible. That's why he's come back to see me. But he actually went on to just say, look, we'll never forget that moment. We'll never forget how much time you took in helping us and creating a moment for my son that he will never forget. He'll never forget the time that he learned how to rollerblade with his grandfather. And the fact that you were just so patient and so helpful you were so dedicated to wanting to see all of us rollerblade at the same time. We will never forget you. And it really didn't have much of an impact at that time. I was just kind of, oh, that's that's great. And I was still kind of locked on the thought that maybe I killed grandpa. He went on to tell me that grandpa was still living at the time. But it wasn't until later on that night that really it kind of hit me. And it resonated with me how many stories are probably like that. You know, every day we, we were teaching people new things or creating an experience for individuals that, um, you know, for for us, it was every day. For them, it was a special day. And I always, I'll, I'll share that story from time to time. And everybody that hears that story always is somewhat impacted and feels that moment of appreciation. And I'm sure, like I said, many of the people that you've probably hosted on this podcast have shared similar stories. But I think that uh, there's a real, I don't know, a, a real pat on the back to, to so many great GOs and so many great individuals that have really, Kept the legacy of Club Med moving on. And, and that's why we appreciate, Greg, what you're doing and, and sharing some of these stories, and allowing us to share these stories.
0: That, that's an amazing story. I, personally, I would have been too afraid to teach a, a grandfather how to rollerblade. You know, you're <laughs> uh, seeing many ho- hockey injuries in my day, but uh, but man, good on you. Uh, okay. Yeah, yeah. Well, don't, don't get me wrong. I'm sure it came
1: into mind. I, I think, I, you know, at that time, we had to have everybody wearing all their pads, knee pads, okay. L- pads helmets. Well, so sure, I probably, but, I probably gave them a few extra pads.
0: Yeah, but you know those old guys—they bruise like right bananas. You know, I'd still be, <laughs> I'd still be worried. <laughs> but no, that's a great story, Scott. I just, yeah, sorry, I, I didn't pick up. I said this in your intro, and I didn't pick up. A, okay, never having had a cup of coffee, like, what, why? I know,
1: I know, it's weird, uh, and even more so in these days where everybody starts their day off at a Starbucks uh, or definitely having a, a tall gra- glass of. A mug of coffee. Never, I I had a sip when I was a kid, didn't like it. And similar, I had a sip of alcohol when I was a kid, didn't like it. And just uh, never, never, you know, everybody says you acquire a taste. And especially, as most people know, in Club Med, a lot of people who enjoy some libations and uh, some tasty beverages. And that was just never (laughs) my, my angle and never really my thing. So I invested so much of my time into the shows into the sports and just enjoyed uh you know celebrating with all my friends that did enjoy those those cocktails and those beverages
0: okay wait a minute so instead of coffee are you slamming like red bulls before work or what What do you? no nope, no nope. okay, uh, oh, okay. I, back in those days it
1: was you know i would i would have soft drinks but uh even now i i, I barely even have soft drinks so uh i, I just drink water i know it's weird but, uh, no, that, no, no, that I'm, is-
0: I'm, 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 I'm impressed, man, <laughs> and uh, yeah, you didn't really miss anything with, with you know, with having a beer or whatnot. You know, I mean, that's that's fine, but I'm sure a lot there. I'm sure every season you went to, there you were getting a lot of, huh? Like a lot yeah, of incred- yes. incredulous yes. stares and whatnot, right? Yeah, okay.
1: it's interesting. Uh, it, it's very interesting how people sometimes can't fathom the idea of yeah. <laughs> not having, having a drink, but it's, that's kind of who I am.
0: I guess you're the designated driver a lot. Right? Uh, very much
1: so. You got it.
0: Okay. Now I mentioned another thing in your intro that I, I don't want you to spare any details. Okay. So uh, I'm from Montreal, so Celine Dion is like a god here in Quebec. Okay. <laughs> so please don't spare any details. How did this happen? Where did it happen? Tell me everything, please.
1: Sure. Well, first, as we know, you know, we take a lot of great pride in in the hotel and hospitality industry to protect our guests and and their safety, and we're very Uh, private in keeping information. We tried it. Okay. So
0: don't don't tell me where then. Okay.
1: Right, right. But, but, but I I think it's okay to say, so Celine and her family were on vacation or holiday, as some people say, and, you know, I was fortunate enough to be called and out of my room at that time, I was living on the Island and it turns out that the family was interested in doing an excursion the next day. So I was brought to their dinner table where I had conversations with their bodyguard, and their security team, about this excursion. And it just so happens that I had recently moved to this location from Lake Las Vegas, which is about 17 miles off the Las Vegas Strip, which is where Celine actually lived for a period of time, you know, as she she had a residency. Uh, so it was coincidental we kind of had those conversations. And of course, as you know, Greg, working with so many people from Montreal, uh, they were surprised that I knew very Let's just say Quebecois terminology. And uh so, anyway, we started having some great conversations. They were so polite and kind to invite me actually to join them on the boat. In fact, they insisted. And uh truth be told, uh, just a wonderful family. Renee, of course, was around at that time and uh, just a, a wonderful man and just an awesome, awesome, awesome time with them. And they were just so generous, so thoughtful, very, very humble. They, asked me to eat lunch with them. This is, of course, once again, we, we take a lot of pride in wanting to make sure that our guests enjoy the time to themselves, but they were adamant about my participation and sitting down with them and enjoying a meal on this white sand bar that uh, was out in this beautiful blue water. And uh, yeah, just a lot of great, great memories. And they were even kind enough to come back several months later after touring. And uh, just like I said, could not have been any more kind or nice, and just a sweet, sweet family. Like I said, I have a lot of personal memories too that that I won't necessarily share here. But just uh, if 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 anything is ever said about that family, I would question it uh, <laughs> to, to the moon and back because that my experience with them is they were just you know beyond kind. Are you saying? Are you saying that she spoke to you? Uh, we, we did we, yeah, back and forth. She was kind enough to even, uh, she personalized a, a CD
0: and gave it to me. Oh, and just, my uh, God. Yeah. Really? Whoa. Yeah. Dude, <laughs> you know how big this is? <laughs> like, wow. That's, uh, yeah. that's incredible.
1: And, and I guess I should tell you this too, Greg. I actually watched the Super Bowl with them. Uh, where we were, we're in a completely different time zone that required us to get up at 4 a.m. Yeah. to watch the Super Bowl. And it was amazing because it was really just myself and the family as we watched the Super Bowl together and eating pancakes and waffles, which is not traditionally how you'd watch a Super Bowl, certainly over here. So it's, um, like I said, just just a wonderful, endearing family. Wow.
0: That's awesome, man. So glad you got to experience that. That's, that's incredible. Wow. All right. Can I ask you a few more questions about Club Med? Absolutely. So in all your seasons, I'm just curious, like who who you uh, enjoyed working with, like who you had a good time with. Uh, it, it could be anyone, Geo, GMGE, could be chief of service, chief of village. I'm just curious who you who you liked uh, working with. Yeah, I,
1: I mean, obviously, Greg, that that list would be super long. I've I've maintained tremendous friendships with so many of you know my fellow Geo brothers and sisters. Boone and I uh, still waterski on a regular. Uh, we actually were just out on the lake uh, as Sunday of this week. And um, I have a lot of, like I said, some of my friends I even went into business with. Uh, JP and JK remain amazing friends of mine. A gentleman that, um, like I said, John Kiss, I still reach out to on a regular basis. So Hammer, I speak to Hammer frequently. Uh, so it, it's so difficult because, like I said, these all become, you know, like we're all fraternally bonded uh, and I think that that's what's so special is it's not even just one person. Uh, I think that we could all say that we're there for each other. As you know, Greg, too, we could pick up the phone in an instant and have somebody that would be by our side if we ever needed somebody. So that's what's so cool about this uh, experience as a whole. And that's, I think, why you have a lot of people that are more than willing to hop on these podcasts with you, Greg, is because we feel that bond and we feel like it's worth sharing.
0: You mentioned uh, when you were talking about tricks and Caicos that you got your tickets. Did you say they came by Purelater? They did. Okay, yeah. so I asked this question of 90s Geos. To this day, because this happens to me, just happened today again, when you see a Purelater truck driving around, do you act, automatically think your tickets are coming, your plane tickets? Because I, I still do this. <laughs> yeah,
1: well, and to that point too, Greg, do you remember they, they also came with like a sheet of what to expect and what to bring. And that sheet was very, very vague, right? It said, bring a couple of colored shirts, Bring a red one, bring a green one. Like it was not necessarily yeah, the yeah, easiest
0: yeah. To, to understand tooth- what you're preparing Toothbrush. For. Yeah, okay.
1: Yeah, okay. <laughs> that, that was about it, you know, and they told you what kind of volts, uh, you know, the, the electro appliances would take. And uh, so I also remember those tickets coming with very little information as I was getting ready to, you know, live a completely different life on an island that I had never heard of previously.
0: But, do you, but did it ever happen where you see that truck, uh, whether it's Pure Later FedEx and you think? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. It's almost like when, I, like, do you hear a song from Club Med and you're in the grocery store? Do you have to, like, restrain yourself from moving side to side and clapping? Does this happen to you? Like Yeah, whether whether
1: it's a crazy sign or certainly yeah. a, one of the performances that we had up on stage. And I would say probably more so that. And, and I had alluded to this previously, Greg, about, uh, like, Graham and some of the choreographers that I had the pleasure of working with you know, it, it's those shows, it's the show, it's before the shows, it's the rehearsals. It's, it's really, uh, those memories that stand out the most to me. And as you said, they're oftentimes ignited when you hear a song, uh, that you perform to, or a song that, you know, not necessarily you even performed to, but somebody else did. And I think that's, what's great about, you know, our years in Club Med is that there are just so many great memories and it takes you back to a, a funny rehearsal or a or even a rehearsal late at night that you at the time were were tired and exhausted, but you knew that you had to do it because, you know, the show was to open that next night. So uh, to your point, I think that we're oftentimes reminded about our years and, and the great people that we had the pleasure of working with.
0: Have you ever thought about, is there anything you miss about Club Med? Have you had time to think? Like if I, <laughs> if I asked you, are there three things? You, do you just have one thing or more than so, three don't things? Don't we all miss something
1: about Club Med, Greg? I think that we yeah. all have to through a period of time. You, you know, I think it's really just the the accessibility. I think that's what what I miss the most is just the accessibility to friends, the accessibility to to, to playing sports and doing activities, to connecting with people. Uh, You know, it's just not that easy. You had mentioned volleyball, and I'm sure you still love to play volleyball. I still love to play volleyball. Well, it's not that easy just to get three other guys to go play two man, right? You have to figure out where the court is, who has the ball, uh, what time you're showing up. Does anybody have an extra pair of shorts? Like it's, 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 there's a lot more. uh, uh,
0: Yeah. And also it's not 1995. So if I smash that ball, (laughs) is my shoulder going to work tomorrow? Right. That's
1: another good point. That's another good point. But I think it's it's that accessibility. And that's why, you know, I think so many of us try to stay in touch is because we also know that we have that common bond and that drive to stay active. And to your point, Greg, we don't remember that we, we are the age that we are. And we still go back to 1995 and feel like we can still play two man or or foot or whatever. So yeah, so many great memories.
0: Well, Scott, this has been uh, been amazing. And the if you do recall or don't, like we we met, I believe in 2010 at the XGO uh, two two reunion. I have a nice That's photo right. of uh, me, you, Ryan, and Hammer. And uh, I w- I went to two reunions. Have, have you been to? Was it just that one reunion, the Club Madrid, Reun- or have you been to others? I have been to others. I was actually at the one. Uh, it was part of kind
1: of the the planning stages of it. Uh, the one in Sandpiper that was a few years after that one. So, if I'm not mistaken, that would have been around 2012, 2013 that we hosted another one. And uh, yeah, those are always great. Like I said, when you see old faces, and one of my good buddies is Vlad. So, whenever I see him, you know, it, it's going back to the great stories. And uh, I know that you also know Vlad. So, um, yeah, yeah, like I said, just been to those two. Uh, I missed the first one because I was living abroad. And, but uh,
0: I know that they're, they're always, Other ones that are coming up. Yeah, I know there's one next year, right, in uh, in Cancun, I believe, right, in May. May, uh, That's right
1: here.
0: Yeah, that's right. (laughs) Well, uh, I really want to thank you for sharing your your story with us here today, uh, Scott. This has been amazing of you to come on and do that.
1: Uh, Greg, I appreciate it. Like I said, thank you for taking me down memory lane.
0: Okay. Well, here's where we say uh, goodbye to our listeners, sir. So uh, if you have any friends listening and you want to shout them out, just thank them for listening.
1: Uh, Thank you. I'm sure you know who you are. Several of you out there for sure, Uh, but I appreciate it. And Greg, like I said, thank you for being a great host to to all of us, ex and even current GOs for that matter.
0: Thank you, sir. That was Scotty D and we will see you all next week. Bye.